Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So over the weekend came one of the more pathetic articles out there. I mean, ignorance of the likes of which cannot be properly described here. It was Scientific American with the headline, Damar Hamlin's collapse highlights the violence black men experience in football. The terrifyingly ordinary nature of football's violence disproportionately affects black men. It's a real article that is out there for people to read and go, hmm, it's very important. Tony Katz, that's me. Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. I made mention the other day that there's something quite remarkable about what is going on regarding DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin, safety for the Buffalo Bills. He is involved in a tackle where he gets up and then three seconds later collapses, has a heart attack on the field. It was the Buffalo Bills against the Cincinnati Bengals. It happened last week. CPR on the field, defibrillator on the field, taken away by ambulance. He is awake. He is showing as doctors describe it via the reporting, incredible neurological process, uh, progress. He has delivered messages with his own voice to um, to his team. I mean, it's it's inc- it's an incredible story, and not everything works out this well. And I certainly hope it continues to work out this well. Victoria Lee passed away at the age of 18. You don't know Victoria Lee, but you might know Angela Lee, her sister, who is an MMA star, mixed martial arts. Victoria Lee, 18, rising in mixed martial arts, died. And there have been a lot of people, athletes especially, dying. And there's a question to be asked about why. Why are we seeing these young people teens, 20s, 30s, in absolutely beyond perfect health in terms of physical. Dying. What is it that we're witnessing? And people want to discuss vaccines with this, and I say, well, let them. Let them discuss vaccines with this. I don't think there's any problem with that. Is is there a level of connection here? You're supposed to do the investigations. Science should want this. But I don't bring Victoria Lee up because of 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 this, because of vaccines, right? And conspiracy theories and all that. I, I bring it up because here's this 18-year-old who, who passed away. And... It got to mention the news and, of course, her family, and you you feel for her family. And, well, it's not going to get the national attention. Where I live, a a 16-year-old was involved in a one-car accident just north of Indianapolis. And their Jeep ran into a a, a building. And, And there's no understanding as to why and... 
And that 16-year-old child passed away from the injuries a day later, a day and a half later. It's awful. And as a, uh, as a parent, it is all the things you refuse to let yourself think about. Um, I live in the town where this took place, and I, I, I don't know what will come next from it. 16-year-old dying. Uh, one car accident, so freaking, you feel awful. I, I don't know, I don't know the family, but I can't tell you how much we talked about it yesterday. Uh, uh, myself, my wife, uh, w- w- with, our, with our children, going to those schools and things like that. No, what is unique about the story of Damar Hamlin is exactly how much outpouring there has been. And the outpouring has come certainly in in the idea of, oh, how awful. There has been a money outpouring. Uh, he has a, uh, a GoFundMe, right, uh, for, for a charity, uh, money for uh, buying toys for, for kids in need. And I think he wanted to raise, I think the number was like $2,500. I think that was the number originally on the GoFundMe. As of yesterday, it was over $8 million. And I've discussed this before. It is always fascinating to me that people, when they see a tragedy, are, all right, here's money. And you're like, well, how does the money deal with the, the, the tragedy or the hard time or the, oh, my gosh. And it's because people want to feel connected to doing something good, to somehow being helpful, something, somehow making something good out of, of, of this. And maybe, you know, as I talk about uh, Virginia Lee or this this child and uh, in in Indiana, not a, a level of well-known, so therefore it wasn't going to take on that scope. And that's possible. But the DeMar Hamlin story has taken on a whole new um, depth over the concept of prayer. Over the last week, you have seen people praying everywhere. In groups at football games, amongst themselves in the stands, on the field, on TV, commentators engaged in open prayer. And it has been not, shocking isn't the right word, but as somebody who engages the what am I looking at every day, right? That's my job more than anything else. What am I looking at? And, and I found myself saying that in a world that has so tried, or certainly in American culture, I'll, I'll, I'll utilize it, so tried to highlight the concept of nothing, people are tired of feeling nothing or raging about nothing or getting worked up about nothing. This was something. They watched this guy make an everyday tackle and literally have his life on the line. And they dropped to their knees. Not once. They kept doing it. Maybe you want to say they all didn't go to their knees. It's metaphorical. You know where I'm going. Because they wanted 
to be connected and they wanted something of hopefulness. And then you see him wake up. And the first thing he does when he wakes up, he, he's writing something down for the doctor. Right? He's got a breathing tube and everything. Right? Did we win? That was his first question. Did we win? And you're like, oh my gosh. And look, I'm not somebody who talks about the power of prayer. I'll talk about the power of Western medicine. But am I going to deny that there are quite literally millions of people who watch this happen and they threw a prayer out there? No, not me. Can't deny what you saw with your own eyes. But we've seen lots of disasters. I haven't seen praying like this. We've seen a lot of people go through a lot of hardship. I have never seen this. Nope, I haven't seen this in a good long time. There is something unique about what has happened here and how America has responded. And it signals to me that when given the choice between nothing and something for the soul, people want something and they have been inundated with nothing. They've been inundated with people telling you that you have to be hateful of this one, hateful of that one, and be on the lookout for the bigotry here and the hate there and look out for this one and all that one and stop caring about this and that doesn't matter. They wanted something more. And I think people joined in on this because it was something more. And that fulfilled. That something more fulfills more than any number of followers on social media. There is no amount of followers on Twitter that feels as good to me as a hug from my children. At that moment, when you're not just a fan in the stands, but you're connected to the human beings next to you, engaged in something of purpose, a purpose, the purpose-driven life, the purpose here is to try and put a good vibe out into the world and hope that this guy is okay. What beats that? I swear to you, I don't know if those good vibes continue. You never know. But I can tell you that it is not just random, just because, just a thing that you see all these people engaged, connected in this way. As if they had been searching and wanting and yearning and desiring connection. And they found a place to put their efforts. It's kind of fascinating to me. And it is in that backdrop that I am even more amazed to see this article in Scientific American. Tamar Hamlin's collapse highlights the violence black men experience in football. 
the terrifyingly ordinary nature of football's violence disproportionately affects black men. Wow. That is remarkable. They go on to say that, look, 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 we know that lots of black men play play, uh, uh, football, though lots of black men play basketball as well. But that's a process called racial stacking. You see, the positions of power are all white, but uh, it's, it's these black men that are just utilized for their physical talents. Oh, I swear to you, this article is getting into Jimmy the Greek territory. Coach Dungy, Tony Dungy, who is now a uh, football analyst, coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then, uh, of course, leading uh, the uh, uh, Indianapolis Colts to victory, to a Super Bowl. Um, He has ripped the article, calling it absolutely ridiculous. The article is more than ridiculous. The article is more than radical. The article is an attempt to take a look at the thing we were just discussing, this connection, this purpose, this good, and try and end it. You see, you shouldn't feel good about your prayers because racism. You shouldn't feel good that you connected to the person, the human being next to you, and grabbed arm in arm and hand in hand and hugged because bigotry. Oh, sure, that white person in the stand may have prayed, but they're part of the system that led to this. What kind of thing? What kind of person does this? The author, Tracy uh, Canada, uh, states that they are a cultural anthropologist who has spent the last decade uh, learning how black college football players navigate the exploitation, racism, and anti-blackness that are fundamental to its current system. Haters gonna hate. Now, there's a very easy answer that most people come to when they see an article like this and a headline like this. The violence of black men, this collapse highlights the the violence black men experience in football and how the nature of football's violence disproportionately affects black men. And the answer is don't play football. Seems to be the only answer. Don't play football. Do something else. The sport is violent. Don't play football. That seems to be the answer. I mean, what other answer could there be? Football shouldn't have tackling? It, it, it shouldn't be a sport? If it wasn't a sport, well, I, I assume that the vast majority of players could find other things to do. I, I doubt they would pay as well. Football is not they shoot horses, don't they? Choices get made all the way up and down the line. And we're seeing more and more people play for a couple years and say, you know what? My health is too important. I'm out. We've seen all sorts of players say, I'm done. Thank you. Thank you so very much. 
No, this article seems much more to be a desire not to discuss the sport of football and the, and the issues therein, but to try and skewer and puncture this moment in America where people are like, wait a second, having a purpose is feels better than anything else, feels better than the hate, feels better than the ostracizing, feels better than what social media has to offer because it was real. The person next to me in the stands was real. Because the more we see of the people in the stands, hand in hand, the less we need the hate of social media to fulfill us. There is something going on. I'm Tony Katz. In Brazil, there have been what I guess you would describe as riots. I don't know how else to describe it. You have got supporters of Bolsonaro who are very, very unpleased that the leftist, uh, Lula da Silva, won the presidential election. So they, uh, they decided to take over a series of government buildings in Brazil. Okay. So the only way to describe this is as a riot. The only way to describe this at all is, is is a riot. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Now, this is happening, I mean, thousands and thousands of people. Although I don't know yet what level of damage has been done to the actual buildings, if any. I know that tear gas has uh, been uh, released to try and disperse the crowds. Bolsonaro himself is in Florida. I think there's some medical procedures going on with him. So we're going to keep getting the information, sharing the information, and also understand the, that uh, De Silva took power last, was it like last month, right? He's already in office. This isn't, uh, people want to make the January 6th comparison. This isn't it. It's it's just not it. I mean, there are people like, oh, this is Trump's fault. People are weird. Super, super weird. But there were people in Brazil who thought that the um, that the election was uh, was problematic. But again, then again, it's Brazil, and uh, they have had a share of problematic elections. Brazilian media reporting that as many as twelve hundred pro Bolsonaro protesters have been arrested, detained at the Brazilian army headquarters. We're going to see where this goes. Meanwhile, we've got a Speaker of the House. What was the deal? What do we think of the deal? And what comes next? Congressman Greg Pence is here to break it down. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz.
So there's a Speaker of the House. Only took 15 votes to get there. Maybe that's what it takes to get the deal you want. But what is the deal? Well, there's a lot of new rules. Things to empower members of Congress. At what cost? And can those rules get passed? Will there be the votes? Does Kevin McCarthy have something to worry about? I'm sorry, Speaker McCarthy have something to worry about now? And what happens if all the rules that were agreed to in order to secure the votes don't get passed? What happens next? I guess the question is, are we about to see real disarray? Or can the Republicans get it together to push through one, two, three, four of their promises and force the Democrats to the table? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Congressman Greg Pence joins us right now. He represents the 4th District of Indiana. That is the east side, my people, of the state. Congressman, good to be with you. Glad to have you back. 15 votes. Uh, did, it, did it just feel like 14, or did it feel more like 16? <laughs> it felt like 30, Tony. It was a long week, I'll tell you that. And You know, we were supposed to vote. At noon on uh, Tuesday, a week ago, and, and we finally got it done about uh, midnight, 1.30 in the morning, Friday night. Got home uh, Saturday, and I am literally headed to the airport right now to go out there and vote on the rules package at 6.30 tonight. By the way, I'm sorry. I said fourth. You're the sixth district east side. Uh, my, my mistake, sir. Um, this rules package... Uh, as is described, uh, uh, cut as you go instead of pay as you go. Um, it allows for more amendments to be discussed on the floor of, of the House. Are these rules freeing to people like yourself, to members of Congress, or does this create um, more gridlock opportunities? So, Tony, for well over a year, and particularly uh, 2022, it started in 21, you know, with Nancy Pelosi consolidating the power into her speakership, uh, the regular members such as myself and including Democrats were neutered. And I used that word all last year. We couldn't introduce amendments. Regular order was thrown out. We'd get a bill at 3 a.m. in the morning that was going to be voted on seven hours later at 10 o'clock, and it was a 2,400-plus age bill that no member had seen. And now with regular order, I, I will tell you, I think the Democrats are sitting there quietly. They're not going to admit it, but they're excited to be able to participate uh, uh, in the process as it was originally set out. And I'm very excited. You know, one of the things that I notice on, on a lot of the uh, liberal mainstream media, they're, they're saying that the chaos may ensue. I don't call last week, as you and I talked, I think, last Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't think that was chaotic. Uh, that was the first time, you know, I'm a guy, I'm one of 12 people that never proxy voted. So suddenly I spent a whole week sitting with all my peers on the House floor. So I was glad to see the Democrats and some of my Republican friends finally showed up on the floor. So, uh, Congressman, we may have lost you 
for a second there as you're driving. Congressman Greg uh, Pence joining us on his way back uh, to the airport to get uh, back to vote on uh, the rules uh, package. Uh, Do me a favor, Ryan, just let me know when you have the congressman back on the line. This rules package is going to be something. And I'd be very curious to see if Democrats feel that they are finally in a position to really engage uh, debate. You know, uh, Congressman, you bring up this idea that you think Democrats will feel good about these rules because they'll be able to engage debate themselves. Have there been Democrats you know of who wanted to change things as were put forth by Speaker Pelosi but were frustrated because they were unable to? Last year. Last year, uh, some of my peers would quietly uh, admit that uh, that it wasn't good. We'd go to committee hearings, no amendments, nothing was introduced in committees. We all just sat there. We voted up or down. Uh, nobody got to make any amendments, markups, or many changes to bills that they had never seen before. So I know quietly that they're happy. I'm very happy. And one of the things I started to say before before we dropped off there, Tony, is, you know, we've already voted on these rules before Christmas. And so the, a lot of the drama about, oh, these, these rules, people are going to have to find out what they are and, and what's involved in them. Uh, they're the same rules we talked about. There were only a few things that changed last week. I think that's some committee hearing uh, committee slots for some people, and I'm not sure exactly how that worked out. And then how many votes it takes to call for uh, the speaker to uh, vote uh, uh, no confidence vote for the speaker. But the rest of these rules we knew about, we discussed, and we debated back in uh, November, December. So I'm excited about them. If the, rules were, if the rules were already decided, what in the world did we see, sir? I think we saw a little uh, individual jockeying for power and position. Uh, some things that don't have anything to do with the rules. Uh, that we would vote, uh, we would have a vote on term limit, which is possible. Uh, those, some of the things the speaker, Speaker McCarthy, committed to work with the rules. That's that's where we're kind of talking about uh, two different things. Talking to Congressman Greg Pence of the Sixth District of Indiana. Um, so now you, you get back to it, right? Everyone's going back to work. But every day you're going to walk by uh, Representative Matt Gates and you're going to walk by Representative Lauren Boebert and uh, uh, a few others. Um, tempers uh, still high. Uh, there's a feeling everyone's going to work together. Or is there a feeling of we just went through a lot of crap for no reason whatsoever? Well, we're in the majority. You know, there's no, there's no success like winning. Uh, there's, uh, I think that will heal everything. The bills that we are going to introduce, uh, I am a, an original sponsor on two of the bills this week. Uh, the, the bills that we're going to introduce uh, that will get passed, uh, we'll probably be high-fiving and excited and very happy to be in town and working together. Do you want to discuss what that legislation is? Yeah, the the first is uh, not allow. I'll keep it in simple terms: not allowing the uh, uh, the strategic oil reserve oils to be sold to uh, China. Now that that's almost uh, uh, too intuitive, isn't it? Hard right. hard to believe that 
that we'd have to debate on that one. And Born Alive, which is a bill uh, I'm an original sponsor on that one. Uh, if a uh, during an abortion process, if a fetus is born alive, uh, there are penalties and requirements that the physicians and those attending uh, have to keep that baby alive. So those are two that I'm a sponsor of, and they've been. It's not the first time they've been brought to the floor, but now as a a member of the majority, uh, we change everything now. And so I think we'll get along. So, so as as you discuss those two things, and some people might say, I don't know if abortion is, should be the first thing Republicans are doing out of of the gate. Uh, there's a conversation at the border. As you see, President Biden, he has been to the border uh, before heading off uh, to 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 Mexico. Are we going to see uh, this Congress? off the quick, engage legislation about securing the border, whether that be about Title 42 or something else? Yeah, I just mentioned the two two of the ones that I'm co-sponsoring. I could kind of go through. Uh, we have a whole bunch of bills. Uh, the cor- for, course first is get uh, the second bill tonight will be getting uh, defunding the 87,000 IRS agents. And then the, the balance of the week, and I'm kind of going through We're going to have a very busy week that we would have done last week and this week, uh, but we'll be hitting uh, many more bills very quickly. Um, And just to give you establishing a select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. uh, uh, Let's see. Another one is uh, protecting American street, my uh, strategic petroleum reserve, born alive is mine. Um, expressing the sense Congress condemning the recent attacks on pro-life facilities, uh, a little bit the same. Uh, the next one is prosecutors need to prosecute act. You know, I was uh, Cindy for Indy uh, uh, all this fall uh, so that we would prosecute people that commit crimes in Marion County. Sounds like a good thing. And those are just a few of the things uh, expressing support for the nation's law enforcement agencies and condemning any efforts to defund or dismantle law enforcement agencies. Now, keep in mind, Tony, until we had the swearing in, we actually couldn't introduce bills, which that happened at 2.30 Friday night. Then we adjourned until today, and I'm sure many many other bills will be dropping today and tomorrow in the balance of this week that are going to address specifically. uh, We are having a fentanyl round table and an energy round table in my energy and commerce committee uh, both tomorrow and the next day. So we're going to address all these issues, uh, but it's, we just started. So it we're, and we're a week behind in a sense. Talking to Congressman Greg Pence of the Indiana sixth district house energy and commerce committee, as he mentioned, you brought, bring up Cindy for Indy. That's Cindy Carrasco who ran for prosecutor in Marion County where Indianapolis is lost that race. The Republican lost that race to the Democrat Ryan Mears. Uh, speaking of Democrats, you were there and you heard Hakeem Jeffries, the leader of the Democrats go through his a through Z attack on the Republican party. Um, you feel good about your chances of finding some bipartisanship uh, this uh, this term? Uh, well, I will say that let me just leave this with you. Uh, Andre Carson was kind enough on a hydrogen bill, which is very important to our region, 
and some of our major corporations here. He, he and I sponsored a bill together. I actually talked to him on the floor while we were all trying to figure out who the next speaker is going to be and asked him, uh, hey, you want to you wanna come on to my hydrogen bill, which I'll be introducing at the end of this week. And I also talked to Frank Mervan about it. I'm going to have a meeting in my office in with the two of them uh, next uh, on Tuesday of this week. So there'll be bipartisanship as far as I'm concerned. Anything that helps Indiana, the Indiana 6th District, uh, I want to include the entire delegation if I can, Tony. Congressman Greg Pence, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us. Safe travels uh, to D.C. and the voting uh, on these rules. Appreciate you. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Okay. This uh world-class question asked to me by my executive producer, Matt Hiblin. Tony Katz. Oh, good question. Tony Katz today. There is a movie coming out. Um, and uh, it's Jonah Hill. It's Eddie Murphy. And it's called You People. And it's, uh, if I understand it right, because I've seen the trailer, Jonah Hill uh, plays a, a guy who isn't in a relationship, is not married, gets into a car thinking it's an Uber. Uh, this woman's like, get out of my car. What are you doing here? She's driving the car. She's black. He's white. They start a friendship. The friendship gets um physical and the next thing you know uh they're going to spend their lives together and so it's a conversation of she's going to uh in, introduce him to her family and he's going to introduce her to his family the father of this girl is played by eddie murphy and eddie murphy meets jonah hill and one of the lines he uses uh is uh to to his uh, daughter, this is your white granddaddy coming back to haunt me. And then, of course, she's uh, gonna, uh, he's gonna introduce her to his parents, and her and his parents are like, "What has happened? What have they? We've done to black people is so terrible." I think it's Julie Louis Dreyfus who plays the 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 mom. And so the question that's asked of me: Do you think this looks funny? I like a lot of these actors, and if someone wanted to go see it, I'd probably go. But I'm curious about someone with your politics and opinions, if this looks interesting or makes you annoyed. Um, the only thing that makes me annoyed is that Jonah Hill makes more money than I do. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. If, if, uh, if Jonah Hill, and he wrote this movie. Um, oh, God, uh, Mulder's in it. Who's the guy who played, I can't remember, X-Files. Who played, David Duchovny. David Duchovny plays Jonah Hill's dad. And Julie Louis-Dreyfus plays the mom. Uh, and uh, and that's, um, and it, look, it's, 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 it's about, uh, the, if you're black, you're going to hate the white guy. And if you're white, you just don't know anything about black culture. I mean, a little bit of it is, is stereotypical in a way. But am I... Uh, Am I bothered by it as a Jewish conservative? No, it's funny. That's the 
only thing I care about. I only care that it's funny. And there is a whole thing about being Jewish in it, right? So um, that's why I brought it up. I, I only care that it's funny. Nothing more, nothing less. Is it a poke at fun of of the, the silliness that we put on the differences? Is it a recognition of differences and then, okay, can we just move on with our lives now? That some of the differences are legitimate and that's okay, we can still move on with our lives? Or is it you have to hate this one and you have to hate that one and how dare you say this about this one? I can't wait to see all the progressives who claim that this is somehow... Uh, uh, you know, wrong and and how dare Eddie Murphy and Nia Long is in the movie. How dare how dare any of them be a part of something like this? This is just part of the cultural demise and what you're doing to your people. I don't know. I have no idea if people are going to do that or not. Just make me laugh. That's all I'm asking you to do. And if you're a drama, uh, keep me invested in the characters. I don't think there's any more, any less. Personally, I'm just, I'm very, 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 very clear-headed on the subject. So will I go see it? I don't know if I'm going to theaters. Oh, it's Netflix. Oh, I'm sorry, it's Netflix. Oh, well, I'll see it on Netflix. I mean, I'll already be home. Although I do have to get a new TV because my TV got destroyed in the flood. So now I have to get a new TV. Oh, it's a, a whole thing. There are new couches. There's a whole new... Now you have to rethink the room. It's a, it's a, it's a, oh, don't. Don't have any pipes break on you while you're on vacation. That's all I can ask for. You'll be much better off. Find the, the film, by the way, or the show is You People. It's on Netflix. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today. <laughs> 